no longer rinses. And then that check engine light on the car comes on for the fifth time on the same day. With all this going on, then discouragement can set in. Discouragement is common with great leaders in God's Word. With Moses in Numbers 11, as the nation of Israel kept complaining about God's provision of manna, And verse 10 tells us, Now Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, everyone at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses also was displeased. Or Joshua, after Israel's army was defeated at Ai, said in Joshua 7.7, Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us. Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Or what about Elijah after God gave rain after a drought and the prophet reacts when Queen Jezebel threatens him, says in 1 Kings 19.4, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, It's enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. The list goes on and on. To counteract discouragement, William Barclay, a well-known commentator and Scottish minister, shares one of the highest duties is the duty of encouragement. It's easy to laugh at men's ideals It's easy to pour cold water on their enthusiasm. It's easy to discourage others. The world is full of discouragers. But we have a Christian duty to encourage one another. Many a time a word or praise or thanks or appreciation or cheer has kept a man on his feet. Blessed is the man who speaks such a word. Here's a few thoughts on encouragement. Pat others on the back, not yourself. Encouragement is like premium gasoline. It helps to take the knock out of living. A friend will strengthen you with his prayers, bless you with his love, and encourage you with his hope. Well, this morning we're going to focus on a verse in the New Testament, one verse that reminds us as believers in Christ to be encouragers. Please join me in Ephesians 4, verse 29. And in this verse, we find two parts to a command that zeroes in on our words. Ephesians 4, please join me. But before we read the verse we're going to focus on, we need to understand the context of verse 29. Ephesians 4 is a chapter that focuses on the unity that we have in the body of Christ. We're one body in Christ. We're adopted into God's family. We're unified. In verses 1 and 2 of Ephesians 4, we see the importance of unity in the body of Christ. In verses 3 to 6, we have the explanation of unity. Because all of us are sinners saved by grace, right? None of us deserved it. None of us were on God's pick table. We were all saved by God's grace. 
And so we have that explanation in verses 3 to 6 of Ephesians 4. In verses 7 to 16, the means of unity that share the gifts within the body of Christ. And is any one gift better than another? No. We all need our gifts to be used for each other. That's a part of our encouragement that we can give to one another. And then in verses 23 to 29, it talks about putting on the new man. In other words, once we're saved, things change because we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. Jesus Christ, we have a relationship with Him. He's our Savior. He's the one that every day we say, Lord, thank You for waking me up. Thank You for giving me another day on this earth. And then finally in chapter 4, verses 30 to 32, we have instructions that instruct us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. But this morning we're going to look at one verse. And that's verse 29. But we need to understand the immediate context of what's going on. When we're saved, things change. Praise the Lord. They don't stay the same. If they stay the same and we continue as we were, are we saved? No. Because God says in His Word, by your fruit you shall know them. If someone says they're saved and they continue to walk the way of the world and ignore God and His Word and have no hunger for it, don't want any fellowship with other believers, when the point comes, you treat them as unsaved because there's no evidence. God works in us and when we say, well, we don't change, that's like saying God doesn't change us. And He does. But in order to get the immediate context of Verse 29, we need to start at verse 23. Ephesians 4. Please follow with me. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, For we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Now verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. A simple verse, but a quite challenging verse. And without God's help, there's no way we could even look at that as anything could be true in our lives. But, praise God, we have the Holy Spirit who changes us from within. Before we look at these two parts of this command in verse 29, let's uh, bow in a word of prayer. Great God and Father, thank you for today. It's already February. Can't believe it, Lord. 2020, and not, not everything shut down at 2000 at the millennium. We're still here, Lord. We're here, and we want to praise you, and we want to thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for us. Our only way to you 
is through Jesus Christ. And we're thankful that He died on the cross for us. We're thankful for salvation. We're thankful for everyone here, Lord. And I pray, Father, as we look at this, focus in on this one verse of Your Word, it would challenge us, it would help us to look at our own lives and see is there any way we can make any improvement or get started in what You command us to do in Your Word. Father, we don't do it in our own power, we do it only in Yours. And we, again, ask You to lead and guide us and apply Your Word to our lives this morning. Thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, the first part of this command is the negative part, what we're not to do. And it says there in verse 29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. The original order in the language reads this way, every word that is corrupt out of your mouth, let it not proceed. (laughs) Uh, that's, That's one way of putting it. No corrupt out of our mouth. Nothing negative. No unwholesome words. So that first part is, no unwholesome words should be spoken. As believers, as new creatures in Christ, saved totally through Jesus Christ, bled on the cross, our lives are changed, not for a little while, but forever. That word unwholesome, it means corrupt, it means rotten, it means putrid, like rotten fruit or fish. Worn out, unfit, worthless, bad. (laughs) No else you could describe it. It's not good. It was used in Matthew 13, 48 as Jesus taught the parable of the dragnet. And when it was filled, they drew it up, the dragnet, on the beach. They sat down and gathered the good fish into containers. But the bad, unwholesome, rotten, they threw away. What happens if you just leave fish rotting on the beach? Smell good after a few days? You can smell it for a long ways, can't you? Because it decays. Have you ever left the kitchen trash in overnight and then the smell permeated the whole house in the morning? I've done that a few times and Carol's reminded me we didn't empty the trash last night, did we? Because you can smell it everywhere. It's rotten. Whatever was in there, it's not good to keep around. It's talking about here unwholesome in our speech, in our communication, which would include off-color jokes, profanity, dirty stories, vulgarity. should never cross our lips. And if it does, that should be the exception, not something that's true every day in our lives. Colossians 3.8 shares, But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech. From your mouth. David records in Psalm 141.3, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Have we ever said something we wish we hadn't said? As soon as we said it, boy, I wish I could take that back. Paul records later here in Ephesians 5.4, And there must be no filthiness and silly talk are coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Silly talk. Silly talk can be hurtful talk at times 
that we say to, to somebody else. Peter, on occasion, battled unwholesome words when he denied Jesus in Matthew twenty six seventy four. Then Peter began to curse and swear, I do not know the man, and immediately a rooster crowed. So he was using profanity, trying to convince people that he didn't know Jesus because they were accusing him of knowing him. The tongue is unbelievably hard to control. James talks about it quite a bit in James 3, beginning at verse 5. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire? And the tongue is a fire. The very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. You ever heard that saying, think before you speak? wonder where that came from. There's got to be some basis to Scripture for us to think before we speak. But can we tame our own tongues in our own power? No way. But again, we have the Holy Spirit within us who is changing us every day. But sometimes we grieve the Holy Spirit. We say, I'm just going to continue as I've been doing. I don't want God to change me. Why wouldn't we want God to change us as believers Why wouldn't we want to give everything to Him? Every area of our life, every closet door unlocked. No locked closet doors. Having worked with soldiers in the Army and inmates at Pinellas County Jail, I've heard lots of unwholesome communications between deputies at times, between inmates, between lawyers, and at times from clergy. You say, well, no, not from clergy. When I'll share this because this happened many years ago. Just got out of seminary and we were at our first church in Nebraska. And I was just canvassing the area to let people know we had a church if they didn't have a church. And the phone rang and I picked up the phone and I was cussed out by a clergy. Someone who said, what are you doing trying to steal my members? I said, I'm not trying to steal any members. I said, he told me who the people were, and I said, they asked me in for a glass of iced tea, and I just told them, we're in the neighborhood if you don't have a church. But I'll never forget that. None of us should be using that kind of language. And cussing that kind of language, Peter slipped, this clergy person slipped, but... It shouldn't be a majority of the time in our lives. Never should. should never be that habit. Over the years, I've heard unwholesome words from fathers to their children. Drill sergeants to privates, husbands to wives, brothers to brothers, sisters to sisters, teenagers to parents. But again, if we're truly saved, that's going to be going the other direction, not the major part of how we talk and how we communicate with one another. 
Here's a little short challenge I ran across, if it hasn't slipped back behind here, on our words, and I think it's a good reminder. Years ago, I found it by Mr. Anonymous. I think it's a Mr., maybe Mrs. (laughs) Here's what it says, and it's just a good reminder I try to keep around. A careless word may kindle strife. A cruel word may wreck a life. A bitter word may hate and still. A brutal word may smite and kill. A gracious word may smooth the way. A joyous word may light the way. A timely word may lessen stress. A loving word may heal and bless. Just a reminder, you know, our words have such impact. You heard that what is it? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Uh, I don't know where that came from. I don't see much truth in that because words can hurt. So the first part here of this verse, in verse 29, we are told, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. But then we get to the next word there in this verse, but... Now we're going to switch. We're going to switch from the negative to the positive. Here's what you are to do. Don't do the unwholesome words, but rather do something else. The rest of that verse says simply, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. The second part of this command is shared in this part and it's simply it says here's what we're to do we're to share wholesome words and I added this sprinkled with grace sometimes we know better than that person and we're going to give them every instruction and this is how it's going to be because I know better than you seasoned with grace That's always kind of a stop. How much grace has God shown us? And how much grace should we show to one another? They say, well, give them the benefit of the doubt. Well, do we? Do we say, well, the Bible says I'm to forgive them, what, seven times 70? And they're at 491, so I'm not going to forgive them now. How much has God forgiven us? How much grace does God show us every day in this life? He gives us grace to allow us to live another day for Him. And our future is secure in Him. We will be in heaven forever with Him. The rest of this verse, again, that but, there switches us from the negative to the positive. And it says, only such a word. That's communication. That's speech. That's an expressive word. The speech of a believer, of a Christian, should speak that we're new creatures in Christ. Old ways have passed away. Instead of self-serving, we're serving Jesus in our ways, including our speech. While serving as a chaplain at Pinellas County Jail, while walking across the parking lot to Max. And Max is a place uh, where people with the most serious crimes are locked up. 
And as I was crossing in the morning to make some visits, I heard somebody hollering, chaplain, chaplain. And I looked around, I didn't see anybody. I saw one roofing pickup parked in the parking lot and a couple of other cars, but I didn't see anybody. And I heard it again, chaplain, chaplain. I looked over in that roofing truck, somebody opened their door. They said, chaplain, can you come here a minute? And so I went over to where it was. And he said, I don't know if you remember me, but about a year and a half ago, I was in Pinellas County Jail. And you shared Jesus with me. And Jesus saved me. I don't do that to say I did anything, but God used me and He uses every one of us where we're at. Whether it's in a jail setting, whether it's in our neighborhoods, whether it's at a job, you just cannot stand, but you're there because God has you there as a witness. We know with everything going on in our country and around the world, time is short. We don't know how long we have as a nation. We have the freedoms today, but they could be gone. But we have that relationship with Jesus Christ. It says, Jesus says, I need you here on this earth today for me, to bring honor to me, to have you tell people about me. Because Jesus makes the total difference. Amen? There's nothing greater in our lives than having that personal relationship with Jesus. When you think back at all those challenging times, you know, there's that poem, Footprints, but that's so true. How many times has God carried us when we couldn't even walk? And spiritually, He has given us life. Life here to begin on this earth, but continue on with Him forever. And then it says also as we continue in this verse, as is good for edification, for encouragement, for exhortation. Encouragement means to give courage to, to give or increase confidence, to inspire with courage, spirit, or strength of mind. To exhort or edify means, and I like this definition, exhort means to incite by words or advice, to embolden, to cheer, to advise. The primary sense seems to be to excite or give strength, spirit or courage for supplying help when there's a need. And the Greek word is says to come alongside. When we're walking on life's journey and we're going down the road and this bump comes here and this problem comes here and we see a brother or sister on the side of the road, what do we do? We have the story of the Good Samaritan. The one says, well, I'll kind of ignore you. You'll get up sometime maybe, maybe not. Another one comes along and maybe says, you know, you ought to get up out of the ditch and walks on. Do we get down and do we help that person? Do we grab them and help pull them up? And say, I'm walking with you. I exhort you, don't give up. Don't quit. Our time on earth, we don't know how long we have. But God does. And that's what's important. He has us here every day for a reason. I was thinking about exhorting, edifying. And I 
thought a few things here about what wholesome words can include. Working in Awana for a number of years, that simple encouragement, wholesome words. When you see, and I work with the Sparks, which is kindergarten, first and second, they're energizing. Boy, end of the day, you're about ready to drop and they're ready to go. But when you see them coloring and they're staying in the lines and they put their name on the picture that they're coloring and you say, what a great job. Wow, they beam. (laughs) Wow, can I do another one? You can have this one. I'm going to start on another page. Encouragement. Exhorting each other, keep praying for unsafe family members' salvation or a difficult job where the boss is encouraging questionable practices. Keep going, don't quit. And sometimes admonishing one another in love when we see a fellow believer headed for a cliff spiritually, we reach out a hand to help him instead of push him. Those are just some ways that I think we can be distributing wholesome words toward one another. We need that. Linda, who's incarcerated behind prison bars, she wrote this, and I want to share with you. She said, it's entitled, Gray Walls and Green Clothes. Gray walls, green clothes, and gray ashen faces surround me with unwanted embraces. Harsh voices, loud voices, they pound in my ears from convicts and guards like auctioneers. Time has a rhythm, it's painful and slow, and I've got so many years to go. I read this Bible the chaplain gave me. What did Jesus do? I'll read and see. The Bible is deep, it's really profound. In its pages, God's love and mercy abound. I've read John's Gospel, read it all through. Here's the shocker, what if it's true? Then I'm lost and going to hell. Can I be saved in a cold jail cell? Dear Jesus, sweet Jesus, please be my king. I've read your word and I believe everything. Gray walls, green clothes, gray ashen faces, no longer matter. Yes, I'm in my God's graces. Now I hear the voice so soft in my ear, the sound of my Savior who's always so near. Now I sing this song wherever I go. Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Freedom in Christ that we enjoy. And then it also talks in this verse, the wholesome words need to be given according to the need of the moment. That means giving encouragement. That means using our speech. That means giving wholesome Words to one another at the right time. Proverbs 15.23 tells us, A man who has joy in an apt answer, and how delightful is a timely word. Our Proverbs 25.11, Like apples of gold and settings of silver, is a word spoken in right circumstances. We need to be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit to say something encouraging, wholesome at the appropriate time. When God nudges us to do something, we need to respond to that brother who's struggling or that sister who's just overloaded with life. 
while doing Bible services at Pinellas County Jail with Doug Hill, there were always moments to encourage the men incarcerated there. That nudge to say something uplifting to one who needed it. And the results of the encouragement exhortations saw a prayer groups started in the pods. Answers to prayers as these men would come each week to the service and wanting to share how God was working in their lives. One man was reconciled with his father after 20 years of them not speaking to one another. Another saw a bully removed from their pod. Another shared thankfulness that a sentence was three years instead of 20. I've taken this poll before and I'll take it again. How many here receive enough encouragement? How many give too much? Can we give too much? Can we receive too much? There's always two things we can do. But we need to be sensitive to God, the Holy Spirit, working in our lives when He nudges us. Paul encouraged Timothy. Jesus encouraged his disciples. And hopefully we encourage with wholesome words one another. The purpose of exhorting or coming alongside or encouraging each other is given in the rest of verse 29. So that it will give grace to those who hear. When we speak to someone Are we trying to give them grace? Are we trying to give them a little more help than probably we should be giving without looking at our own beam in our eye, right? As God tells us. Giving grace refers to enablement to the hearer. The example in Luke 4.22 is Jesus spoke in the synagogue from the book of Isaiah. Here's what it says. And all were speaking well of him. This is talking of Jesus. And wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lip. They were wondering. Here's a man talking with grace. Do we talk with grace? To each other. Colossians 4 6 tells us, let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Salt keeps food from spoiling, doesn't it? My hometown of Hutchinson, Kansas, has the Cary salt mines and one time while we were back on a trip there, we went down underneath, I don't remember how many feet it was, to look at between the layers of salt. And they were pulling salt out, but they also had some things stored there. And you know why they were stored there? So they would be preserved, so they wouldn't rot, so they wouldn't change. So they were between the salt layers. They had Superman's original suit there. They had items from the original Wizard of Oz. And they hadn't decayed. They didn't have holes in them. Because they were between the layers of the salt. That's how our talk should be. Preserving our speech. Not being corrupt, but preserving. Preserving 
that relationship we have with one another in the body of Christ. This morning, it's my goal to encourage you several ways. I want to share some ways with you to encourage you, build you up, exhort you. Number one, Jesus saved us. Romans 10.9 says that we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead. We're saved. He saved us. Does that always put a smile outwardly? But it should in our hearts every day. We should have that joy. Jesus saved us. I have a personal relationship with Jesus. Secondly, we are ambassadors of our Creator and Savior. And He has made divine appointments for everyone here. Did you know that? Every one of us has divine appointments lined up. We represent the King of Kings. And we have that opportunity, however God uses us to represent Him. What a privilege. Thirdly, live as if it's our last day on earth to serve Him. That's a motivator. What if this is our last day on this earth? Would we do anything different? Say, oh yeah, I I got this list, I better recheck. (laughs) Shouldn't be that way. Live as each as if this is our last day. We're told to redeem the time. What does that mean? Be thankful for be thankful for today that we have. Fourthly, be thankful for God's blessings. When we get discouraged, when we don't know how we're going to get through the day, start counting the blessings God has given us and we'll be amazed how many there are that we often overlook, we take for granted. Our prayers should begin with thanks. Thanks for so much. Thankful that we have brothers and sisters in Christ here at Lakeside to share through the rough times. Here's what one inmate shares. His name's David. He's serving time in Georgia. He wrote this. It's it's entitled, Thank You. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You again for sending us Jesus to save us from sin. We give You the glory in all that we do that others may hear and come to You. We cherish, we praise, we honor Your name and ask that You heal the sick and the lame. For today is a day like all of the rest when again with Your sunrise we are all blessed. Simple prayer from inside a cell, but someone who's free in Christ. Number five, I want to share witness as opportunities arise. Whether coming out of surgery, whether loaning a tool to a neighbor, or whether visiting with an unsaved relative at a family reunion, or working with someone who's ready to give up on life, be a witness. Six, trust in God alone. Not God and a bunch of other things, but in God (laughs) alone. We sing that song here at Lakeside, in Christ alone. But do we live that out? And then number seven. I like having seven here. Take life one step at a time. I used to say one day at a time. That's one step. Because there are going to be a lot of steps in one day. 
But take it one step at a time because life can be quite a challenge because we're one family in Jesus Christ, one body. You hurt, we all hurt. And together we build up one another as opportunities come up. Receive encouragement, but also give it because we all need it. Remember God commands us to not speak unwholesome words as his child, but wholesome words, sprinkled with grace at the right time. Let's work on it with God's help together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for the reminder in Ephesians that we all need encouragement. We all need to be giving it. Our words need to be wholesome, not unwholesome. And they can only be by allowing you to work in our lives. If there's areas we need to improve on, areas we need to start on, Father, just help us this morning as you convict our hearts to do what you're calling us to do. We know time is short. We know the world as a whole don't know you. But we're thankful we have that relationship with you on a personal level. Be hard to get out of bed anymore with all the things going on without you. We have the eternal hope, and that's in Jesus Christ. Pray as we cross paths with those around us, whether here at Lakeside, whether in neighborhoods, at work, some place we're volunteering, wherever it is, Lord, give us the right words to say, the words that you want us to say. You're working on someone's heart even right now that you would uh, allow our words to bring them to you because you are the one who saves us from start to finish. I praise you, Lord, for this group here. Help us this week to live for you and to speak wholesome words. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.